Hello and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, we invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is a singer-songwriter out of New York City, Emily Gabriel. Emily describes her music as Alanis Morissette meets Olivia Rodrigo, and on her second album, Omega Man, it was released in 2022. Is that right? That can confirm all that you've said so far is true. Well, welcome, Emily, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Is it Stephen or Steve? What should I do? Tell me what to do. Steve's fine. Steve's fine. Okay, great. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. Um, happy to be hanging with you and talking about music. All right, Emily, let's uh, jump right into this. What album would you like to bring to the table and what makes it special to you? I would like to bring Melodrama by Lord to the table. What makes it special to me? It's epic. It's fantastic. When I think about that album, it came out in, I think, like summer of 2017, um, before the pandemic had happened, right? If we can all recall back to the time. And I think it just, um, the album is sonically, lyrically, poetic. It's it's really, really fantastic. And it is one of those albums that I have uh, offline on Spotify. So when I'm flying or traveling somewhere or when I don't have access to the Internet, uh, those offline albums tend to uh, mean more because it's almost like back in the day when you had um, to purchase music or you had a CD player and you can only listen to one thing like this would have been. This is my my offline album that would have been like the disc in my disc man, <laughs> if that makes sense. As, as you're talking to an old guy here who I, everything I do is offline. And <laughs> and that's coming from a guy that works on the Internet in my day job. I buy albums so that I have them. I don't want I don't, I don't like to stream everything. Uh, so that's just kind of a a weird generational change there. Okay. Okay. So, so in other words, when an album is offline to you, it's every album. When an album is offline to me, it means like, hey, this, uh, this is something special. Well, one of the joys of doing this show is every once in a while, a guest will really throw me a curveball that is something way outside my comfort zone, and this is one of them. So, this was something that all I really knew of Lord was Royals, mm. and. And honestly, just to be openly honest, mainly the postmodern jukebox version of Royals. Okay. <laughs> and okay. Weird Al's version of uh, where I, I hadn't really got into Laura. She wasn't really on my radar. All right. Well, now that now that I've put her potentially on your radar, what are your thoughts? Oh, this was a fascinating album. It, it, it really was. It was not what I expected at all. I expected some whiny teeny whopper shit. I, I did. It, that that's what I was expecting going in, but it was definitely uh a lot more mature than I expected. Uh the the girl has a very unique voice and I liked it. A little bit more electric, electronica kind of for, for my personal taste. 
but I like the production of it. It was produced very well, and I could te- definitely tell this girl's got a talent for songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, on behalf of Lord, we thank you uh, for for taking a listen and for and for noticing the um, right the maturity of the of the album. I I agree. I think an interesting part of about Lord is she, you know, became caught caught wave or caught some um attention when she was 13 years old she got signed to universal and she self-released um an ep on soundcloud and then got signed to universal 13 years old and to your point so much about her is unique um especially her voice and her production style uh she's incredibly poetic as well with her lyrics so it was interesting because she she came out onto the scene with pure heroin which is what the song Royal, the singles, the single Royals mm-hmm. that you mentioned was on. And um, she, that was 2013. And that was her first splash. And it was like, wow, who's this Lord character? Unique voice. She's from New Zealand. She's super young. Like, like what's her deal? And then she doesn't put out an album for four years, right? Because 2013, she comes on the scene. And then 2017 is when she puts out melodrama. So to me, that says a few things. Um, And granted, I know there is a caveat because she was involved in a soundtrack, which I'll get to. But to me, when that says, if you can have a gap, a four-year gap between your albums and you're signed to a label, they must really, really trust you and trust that you are going to do something the next thing that you do you're going to do it very well so did she spend that four years was was she touring was she in like the in the studio for three years or was she like writing and then short time like do you know the the genesis there yeah so um not completely of course but i will say in 2014 there was a movie that was also very popular at the time based on a book called hunger games and lord actually so she put out a single called Yellow Flicker Beat that was a part of that soundtrack. And she also actually got executive producer and um, compilation credits for the entire Hunger Games soundtrack, which is, again, impressive. impressive. Right, right. So um, I don't think that she was just sitting around doing nothing during that t- like time between her release of Pure Heroin and melodrama she was you know in 2014 she puts out the hunger games soundtrack or works on it both uh directly with directly with the within the body of work with um yellow flicker beat and then also in executive producing the entire soundtrack so she was definitely busy during that time did she tour i'm i believe so um and then yeah she puts out melodrama and it's just this beautiful work of art and then you know a little bit more present day she puts out four years later in 2021 she puts out solar power so um again there's that pattern of four years in between way to space them out (laughs) (laughs) space them out and really like i think a big part of it too is she does have production she not only has she's not only the performing artist she is writing or co-writing every single song and has producer credits on every single song like that's impressive it's like no wonder it takes her you know four years yeah. at a time and, and this she kind of came around when i think a lot of the and i could be completely off base here but 
the reason that I never really gave her second thought was there was a lot of a lot of Katy Perry, a lot of Kesha, a lot of all of that stuff that I just it wasn't my thing. Yeah. And I lumped her into all of that. Had I heard this album, I wouldn't have lumped her in it. This was definitely a much more, you know, thoughtful and produced album, and and definitely personal to her. I think you can tell this because you can look at this as a concept album. I love that you've said that. If you were to put this album into a conceptual phrase, what would that be? Oh, it's the the cycle of a toxic, or not even not necessarily toxic, but just star-crossed relationship you know where they want to be together but it's just not going to happen for various reasons and they're you know but let's ride it out while we can yeah perfectly put i were you working on her uh on her marketing team because i was like that was too succinct <laughs> i i write for all music <laughs> <laughs> well done well done well um yeah i I agree with with the idea of it being a concept album. I can um, upvote what the concept that you just stated. And yeah, I think I think even like sonically, it's very thematic. Um, and something about this project that really that I really appreciate is no matter how many times I've listened to the album cover to cover or a singular song. I never find myself wanting to skip over it. Even when there's like a lull in instrumental, she really keeps you, um, she keeps the ear wanting to remain engaged by taking something out, doing something a little different here, a little different there. Some like in the song um, Sober, it's the second track on the, on the album. Right as she goes into the bridge, you like, you can hear this lion roar. She has like these little like gems or Easter eggs throughout that just keep keep me or keep listeners um engaged i don't want to say surprised but definitely engaged and attentive uh, and i really appreciate that about the about the album this is one that i would put in the category of of a headphone album when you listen to it with the with the earmuff headphones of such there's you, you catch things there's a lot of say this is where they get into the production as far as an extra guitar lick over here some weird ass sound over there I and, I and I like that. I just you know, like like a Radiohead album. You just it's it's all around you at certain times. Um, but then, but then she'll switch it up with a piano ballad that's just sad, yeah, and beautiful, and yeah, just boom, boom, totally. Writer in the dark. I mean, it's like oh, that is like the I think what maybe one of the saddest songs on the album. It's it's the saddest song on the album. Bet you the day you kissed a rider in the dark I am my mother's child I love you till my breathing stops I love you till you call the cops on me Vengeful <laughs> <laughs> Okay, dark, a, dark and sad, dark yeah, and sad Yeah, I just, uh, you'll rue the day you kissed a rider in the dark i feel sorry for that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty uh 
no, I guess, and also the the song, um, what is it? Um, Hard Feelings, Loveless. So Hard Feelings, Loveless, I, that's one that, that's an odd one for me. Okay, tell me why. So look at my notes here. A lot of experimental noises and all that throughout. But it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it's mainly the loveless side. Didn't really click with me. I liked the first half. Then you got the Phil Collins drum beat in there. And then, and then it gets weird. This is my favorite tape. For for my old ears, it got a little weird on the back end. Okay. For that for that track. Okay. Okay. Um, that's interesting, and I think the the loveless part felt felt to me like that kind of second half of the um of the track. It feels very much like a, a commentary of the times. It it almost like zooms out from what she's experiencing with this you know star cross relationship, as you put it. And it, it's a it's a zoom out of we're we're the loveless generation. It's L O V E L E S S generation. Like you're fucking with your lover's head. Yeah, on on lyrically, uh, I don't think there's much subtext in this one. You know that she's like, there will be hard feelings, and you know I see you with someone else. You know that that bitch must die more or less. I mean, <laughs> she's she's not happy. You know, it's she she puts it all out there as far as you know, harder than sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I hear you. It it is a. I guess what do you th- do you feel? What about it feels odd to you sonically? Uh, it was just the rhythm. Okay. The the rhythm of the loveless. I liked the first half, but that loveless. What well, after the, you know, Phil Collins sample, which I did love, and then there was some Paul Simon in there too somewhere. But the, um, it was just that back half. I think in the entire in the entirety of the album, that does feel like the most um, stand outish component. It fits sonically within the the ups and downs of the album because the album as a whole. To me, it gets it gets sadder, you know, as the relationships breaking the it's not like some albums where, you know, you've got a certain banger first, which they do. I mean, Greenlight is obviously a a good track, uh, but then, you know, got the the lull and then suck you back in with four or five and six. And then it, it's it doesn't follow that that template, uh, whereas this one, it kind of starts out really grooving and then right about hard feelings is where it really well liability too. Right about liabilities, where kind of things start breaking down. So, mm-hmm. so the music follows that trend. Interesting, interesting. When let me ask you this: Did you feel that it was, um, I guess, like from a production standpoint, consistent? I think it was consistent to a vision. Okay. I think it was. I think it was. I don't think there was anything accidental on this. It, it all seemed very intentional. Say she it's, she sounds happier at the beginning than she does at the end, and I think that's intentional. Yeah, because that's when the relationship was like in sober. You mentioned, 
Yeah. Uh, if I read, if I heard the lyrics right, you know, she it's it's someone that she's meeting on a fling. This could be a lot of fun. But what happens when we're sober? What mm-hmm. happens when reality sets in? You know what? Who cares? Let's enjoy tonight. Yeah, yeah. But what will we do? Yeah. And then, uh, and it's bold enough. She's bold enough to bring back sober to parenthetical melodrama in it. What do you think yes. about that? That, I mean, and that's the the rhyming to the first half of the album, where you know what happens when we're sober, and then sober is the aftermath. We told you this was melodrama. Oh, how fast the evening passes, cleaning up the champagne glasses. Our only wish is melodrama. Oh, how fast the evening passes, cleaning up the champagne glasses. That's mm. the next morning. Right. Uh, that's the, you're, you're questioning it all. Did, why did we put ourselves through it? Was it worth it? What's going to happen next? Uh, it was uh, a very soft song and you got some strings in the background. It was, it was really, it was that, I liked that one a lot, actually. The the sober too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like good, good way to put it. The aftermath, you wake up the next morning. You ask me if I'm feeling it. I'm psycho high. Something like that. No, in the morning when I speak my mind. Um, the lights are on in no one's home, but who am I? Right. Like that, that question that we all, Mm -hmm. that we all have probably asked ourselves at one point or another, like, (laughs) who am I? You know, especially after doing something that maybe isn't as, uh, as typical to your character as, you know, yes, that, that, that you view yourself and you're like, wait, but who am I? Um, well, and that goes back to, to liability, which to me was, is one of the saddest songs on the album. And it's not, sad that uh and i'm sorry if i'm talking too much but no no please it's not sad that uh things are breaking down yet she's sad that she knows what's gonna happen because she's seen this cycle before yeah uh she knows that she's just she's a big personality she's a lot and people can't take that sometimes right right you're a little much for me you're a liability you're a little much for me so they pull back make other plans i understand i'm a liability i think to to build on that it's like they say you're a little much for me you're a liability it's like oh my gosh whether that's whether that's true to how others perceive her or how she perceives herself I mean, we could we could talk talk that out either in either direction, but it's it's so resonant. It's such a way to frame how you may be feeling in general and especially in relationship to someone else. In a relationship with someone else and in relationship to someone else, like in relation. Um and I think that's such a poetic way to put it. And again, you said this album's mature. She is well, she was born in 1996, so she was she put this out when she was 21, which means she wrote it when she was 19, 20. Like that's kind of yeah. I assume she wrote it over those four years, you know, yeah. little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's amazing for someone you know so young. That's uh, and it really comes out in in those lyrics. I would say my favorite track on this whole album though is the Louvre. Yeah, why? I am your sweetheart. 
Psychopathic crush, drink up your movements. Still, I can't get enough. I overthink your put punctuation use. Not my fault, just a thing that my mind do. Ah, uh, the loop was great. It's it's such a fun, fun track, in, in lyrically and musically. Uh, it starts out with this great uh, opening uh, guitar progression, uh, and it feels very '80s to me. Like, like you're listening, uh, and I, this is not a dig, but you're like you're listening to a Tiffany or Debbie Gibson song or something. I, and I, I, I was enjoying that. Yeah. But then the uh, the lyrics are are great. Uh, I'll blow all my friendships to sit in hell with you. Yeah. Uh, we're the greatest. They'll hang us in the Louvre down the back. Who cares? Still the Louvre. That's, yes. fa- that's fantastic. I think progresses. I call and you come through. Blow all my friendships to sit in hell with you. But we're the greatest. They'll hang us in the Louvre down the back. But who cares? Still the Louvre. And the way she phrases it, right? Yeah. Down the back. But who cares? Still the Louvre. Right? Like. <laughs> It's like she's really into this person, and who cares? Right. Let's 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 go out and just have fun. Yeah, and and um, there are two moments in in the or two songs in the album that I think really play nicely on um, like the the heartbeat, the heartbeat in general, and I think the Louvre and Supercut are those two tracks. Um, the Louvre because it says like broadcast the boom 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 and make them all dance to it. Broadcast the boom 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 and make them all dance to it. That that song in particular, the way it's mixed and produced, there's a lot of low end bass. That's like that you hear like the doom 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 doom. Broadcast the boom 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 and make you know and and that kind of I think is when you're saying broadcast the boom 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 boom. To me, I interpreted that as mixed with the the production elements. She's to your point saying caution to the wind. Like I'm gonna do what I want because I'm having fun and I'm broadcasting my my heart my infatuation my enamored yeah perception of this per- my my enamored being of this of this relationship and and being a part of this relationship and i think that 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 uh they they play on the sonics of that as well so that's kind of like one moment where she's like i'm broadcasting this to tell everybody how how big and bright and bold my heart is beating in this relationship um and caution to the wind for the haters and like our relationship's so good it's so fiery it'll be hung in one of the most famous museums in the world the louvre in the back but still louvre kind of a little cheeky there yeah it's it's such a great lyric i love that one and it's almost yeah it's it's almost like a little like yeah cheeky cute satirical there and then in supercut i think it's the probably the fastest well maybe next to green light but supercut towards the end of the album, second to last track, um, very fast pace, and it it's uh, again I think plays on like the idea of the heartbeat, like your heart racing, because the whole crux of the song is it's just a super cut of us. So you're just it's like the highlight of the relationship, right? When you're like maybe you've ended it, you're you're looking back, you're lamenting that it's over, you're thinking about it, and you're only thinking about the highlights. You don't think about the bad parts as much. You're just thinking about the supercut. Like you are acting as a person that you your best version of yourself, right? I think there's a line in there about, you know, 
um, when you when you call, like I forgive and not fight or something like that. Like just thinking of the best possible outcome, the best possible way that you could act, and that is a supercut. And then during that song, it is like a very fast tempo, um, mm-hmm. rem- reminiscent of maybe when you first met someone that you're really nervous around or really liking and your heart is beating fast and it's racing because you're so excited and like that is the supercut you remember the excitement the happiness your heart racing the falling if you will um not the crash and in my head the visions never stop these ribbons wrap me up but when i reach for you there's just a supercut and it comes in after Rider in the Dark, which, you know, kind of puts you in a dark place. And then this one is, to me, you know, someone who is reliving that supercut of the relationship, all the good things in her mind, none of the bad, throw those out. Everything was good. Keep telling yourself that everything was good. And you could actually, you could, you could easily put this song in a rom-com montage of this, of that sort. This song would fit perfectly in that with that. Uh, progressive beat to it uh but what i loved was that it ended on you know in my end in my end i do everything right and then that flows right into the reprieve of, of liability which is i'm a liability it it's it, it's reality comes right back in almost immediately and they flow very well into each other yeah yeah that's a it's a great point right like back to reality you know mm-hmm. it's it's um the illusion's over Right. It's no it's no accident that Supercut is is smack dab between Rider in the Dark, which is dark and vengeful and you know, you're you're made to feel sad during listening it listening to it. And then you have um Supercut, as we said, kinda like it's the it's the high of the of the recollection, the the best version possible of everybody involved and, and especially yourself, and then brought back down to reality with the liability, like, oh yeah, wait. I I'm a liability, you know, that this is, this is why we ended. I'm, I'm not the supercut version that I'm, that I'm fantasizing and romanticizing in my head. It feels like her point of acceptance and, and not as a point of failure, but just as accepting that that people are people and sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, wise bond beyond her years. I mean, what? She's just how how you yeah, yeah, I mean, what what the hell did she do in those four years? She lived she lived thirty years in four there. I know. Like. I know. Oh my gosh. Um and then I'm I guess the as we're on this journey, the last song Perfect Place is I mean, the one line that sticks out to me from Perfect Places is the last line of the song and also of the album, which is, what the fuck are Perfect Places anyway? Uh, And I think that's another kind of come to moment, you know, coming of age where you're like, wait a second. Like, what is perfect? What, What the fuck are Perfect Places? The illusion of the perfect place doesn't really exist. Yeah, 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 so... 
the night spent off our faces Trying to find these perfect places What the fuck are perfect places anyway? It reminded me of, of Guns N' Roses, that last line with, uh, you know, what's so civil about war anyway? You know, just they, they, they felt the same. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, last, the last line of albums, the last line of the last song on a project is always, I think, a lot of times intentional because it's the last opportunity to say something before the experience is over. Um, so That's I, a very good I, point. I tend to pay attention to those. And I think that in particular, and I think that Lords is resonant, you know, a prompt, an open-ended question. That's a very valid point. I never even thought about that. Always so focused on the beginning of an album. Never really thought about the last line. That's, that's an excellent point. Yeah. It's a sign off. So, so how did this album, you know, influence you? Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, as I mentioned, which is, might not be a commonality between you and I or between me and others, but it is my offline airplane album. So I, I used to have a have a a day job that and in my personal life prior to the pandemic um, traveled very frequently. So I was very selective in what I what I put offline on the airplane. And I think for airplane listening and something about being on an airplane a lot of times if i'm traveling for like work or what whatever have you by yourself and i know that wi-fi is available on some flights or now most flights i'm i'm rolling my eyes for those of you that can't see um i just i i like to use it as an opportunity to unplug and be very very present um and like not be able to talk to or communicate with you know, anyone except those that are directly around you. At any rate, I think this album is a really great reflective album and commentary on one's perception of the world, themselves, themselves in relationships, themselves falling in love, themselves doing things that they know aren't necessarily healthy for them, uh, and putting it all extremely poetically and extremely, um, like, intriguing to listen to like i said i never get bored of the songs because there's so much going on from like she makes a lot of use of uh vocal samples and like pitching them up or down or like the hey that's in in sober and and like throughout the album and the vocal layers are absolutely incredible so there's always there's a lot of neat things that she's doing and partnered with jack antonoff he's big on the all these sounds that are just kind of like like is he reversing things what is he doing is he putting things underwater it sounds like very um interesting there so uh, the headline is this album to me just lends itself to self-reflection and kind of throwing it in your own face that alas we're all flawed like no one shows up in a vacuum perfectly in a relationship whether the relationship is romantic, platonic, with uh, the relationship with a job or a family member. Like, everyone is flawed. And 
a big learning is just being is that self-reflection. And that's what this album means to me is like being alone on an airplane, having nothing to do but listen to this album and reflect. Very insightful. <laughs> you asked. You asked. I know, I know, I, I know. It's <laughs> do you take the same approach to your songwriting? Let's see, the same approach to my songwriting. So I think in a in a phrase or in a sentence, I envy Lord's vulnerability and capability to be so expressive, both with words and with sounds, and to like she's calling herself out, right? She's say she calls the album melodrama. She's <laughs> she is aware she is being melodramatic. She call she titles that the body of work melodrama. That's awesome. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm being melodramatic, but hey, aren't we? And then again, it's like, hey, aren't we all melodramatic at some some point? Or like, you know, isn't all art maybe or a form of expression dramatic if you're if you're leaning into your emotions? I don't know. Um, anyway, so I think that I, I envy it and it's inspiring to be more vulnerable and maybe more melodramatic in my writing. I know that I know we're talking about melodrama and Lord, but I will say another album that it was between melodrama and then this album that I'm going to say when we can move on to the next segment. Okay. Then. So, okay. Okay. Well, anything else you want to say about melodrama before we do move on to the next part? Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, that's a, that's a trick question. I have so much to say about it and, and also it's perfect. So we, we can, I'm happy to close the chapter. We also skipped homemade dynamite, by the way. Oh my gosh, we did. We did. We didn't even mention it. How dare we? Let's let things come out of the woodwork. I give you my best. I tell you all my best lies. Yeah. Awesome, right? So let's let things come out of the woodwork. I give you my best. I tell you all my best lies. See me rolling, showing someone else love, dancing with our shoes off. No, I think you're awesome, right? Homemade dynamite. Oh gosh. I mean, that's the three song, right? And it was it was written with um. Tuve Lu, they, it, do you, or I know, okay. I know of her because of this album and the research I, I did. Okay, okay. So some people call her Tove Lo, but it's Tuve Lu, I'm pretty sure. And that she was a co-writer on um, Homemade Dynamite. It was uh, one of the, one of my standout tracks. What uh, about it? I just liked it. It's not, not all that insightful compared to the other of the first four to me. But I, I just like the I liked it sonically. I like the uh, I like the hook. It was it was a good tune. So that that cool moment in the song. Now you know it's really gonna blow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She does it. Okay. Okay. Last thing I guess about, about uh, melodrama, she does a really great job of, um, oh goodness. What is the actual track where she, it's like, it, it might be writer in the dark where it's everything or goodness. She starts out just her and the piano adds, 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 adds. And then there's a fade out and she starts slowly, but surely taking everything off and brings it back to just her and the piano. I mean, again, what a, 
what a gem of a songwriter and producer. Well said. So Melodrama made the top of your list. What what albums made your short list? Okay. Short list is um without a doubt Jagged Little Pill uh by Alanis Morissette. Did I catch a Billy Joel t shirt? Uh yes. Amazing. Uh, saw him down in Atlanta a couple uh about a month ago. Oh yeah. Um favorite top three Billy Joel songs? Oh, for me? Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's a good question. Uh easily The Stranger. Oh, uh, yes. Same. Uh The Stranger is such a, a wonderful tune. Um The Entertainer. Uh and um let's see. That third one's gonna be interchangeable, but I love the longest time. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. So. Oh, 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 the long, uh, big. I I saw. What venue did you see uh, Billy Joel at in Atlanta? I was at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. Okay, so, nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it was uh, it was a fantastic show. They had uh, uh, Cheryl Crow and oh, it's escaping me. Um, dancing on the ceiling. Um. All night long. Commodores. Why the hell can I think of his name? I'm thinking Niall Rogers, but that can't be right. No. Um, Lionel Richie. Ah, okay. Lionel Richie, Cheryl Crow, and Billy Joel. Wow. What and, a lineup. Uh, that, well, Lionel Richie was fantastic. Actually. That was, Interesting. That was, a, it was a surprise. Yeah, he put on a hell of a show. I wouldn't have guessed. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Wow. He uh he uses the crowd well. Okay. That's unsurprising. Cheryl Crow was boring. Have you seen that documentary, her documentary? No, no. I think you should check it out. You'd enjoy it. Do you know she was uh Michael Jackson's guitarist? So I didn't I didn't enjoy her live, so so, okay, so no. her documentary. <laughs> uh just like learn more about her. I don't know. She has an, an interesting backstory. But what I guess... was that about Michael Jackson and her? Oh, she uh, she was a like in his touring troupe. Um, I don't oh, know really? if she was a guitarist or she like wound up being like a vocalist with him, hmm. and that's kind of what put her into a into like a little bit of the limelight. Um, and from there, oh. kind of just her career continued to progress. In our '90s roundtable, a couple seasons ago, we had a. Uh... Uh, we had several guys on here just talking about 90s music. And one of the questions was songs that you could be cool never, ever, ever hearing again. And mine was all I want to do is have some fun. Like, okay. Um, I thought you were going to say Soak Up the Sun, but okay. Okay. No. The, the all I Want to Do song was everywhere. And like, I'm cool if I never hear it again. All I want to do is have some fun before I die. There you go. All right. Um, that, well, back to your short list. So, a lot of Smorset. Yeah, a lot of Smorset. Jagged Little Pill. I mean, oh my gosh. Talk about being able to express yourself. I mean, body of work, cover to cover. Oh my gosh. Woman was ahead of her time. You ought to know is like, I mean, I don't know a better breakup song or whatever you want to call it, like heartbreak song. Like, amazing. And then I guess more currently, I'm a I really really love 
uh, Cerebrella's Little Voice, which was her first album that came out, I want to say, in like 2007 or 8. Um, okay. And that also might be like uh, a timing thing where it was the first full album that I bought on iTunes. Um, and I remember, because I think like there was like a bit of a promo push around Love Song. And I was like, oh, I really like this Love Song song. I'll, I'll buy the whole album. Bought the whole, al- bought the whole album. Loved it. Love her voice. Love her songwriting. Um, I've seen, and you asked me earlier if I, if tour, if Lord was touring after she put out Pure Heroin in 2013, the answer is yes. I saw her at Roseland Ballroom, come oh, to think okay. of it. Um, and then I, I saw her again, um, after Melodrama was released. Anyway, um, Sarah Bareilles, I've seen her live quite a few times and she also owns the fact that she's, melodramatic and that's like kind of what makes her songwriting great or what makes her songwriting i don't know if she goes so far as to call her her songwriting great but she says like that is uh influenced being melodramatic influences my songs so um anyway she's got a, a recent resurgence on broadway and uh uh i don't know if what your musical theater interest is it but she's playing uh the baker's wife and into the woods and she's nails it she, uh, I've, I've seen some of the videos of it really okay because i was gonna say i've seen waitress twice so um definitely into, and i've seen jagged little pill on broadway as well so um speaking of uh female artists and incredible albums um also have seen beautiful which is related to carol king's album tapestry mm-hmm. right so um seen all of those on broadway and those are all you know, Jag Little Pill, Alanis Morissette, uh, Little Voice, Sarah Bareilles, Tapestry, Carol King. I mean, wow. Those are, I guess, some shortlist favorite albums, <laughs> Bodies that, of Work. Tapestry's a big one. That's uh, that, that's up there in the iconic album list. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How about you? What, what, are, what are some shortlist uh, greatest albums of all time from your perspective? Oh, wow. Well, I've already done uh, my my number one, which was in season one, which is Pink Floyd's Animals, and that is still. I, mean, I could if we go down that rabbit hole, I could talk another couple hours on animals. Um, but uh, let's see, putting me on the spot there. Uh, well, you got uh, say back to Billy Joel. I'll still go with uh, the Stranger or or Piano Man. Those those old Billy Joel albums are just amazing. I don't know. I've been so deep into other people's albums lately. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, at the end of last season, I did the Preservation Hall Jazz Band album, which was uh, a benefit album that had a whole bunch of guest singer, a whole bunch of guest singers uh, playing with the Preservation Hall band, and all recorded in New Orleans. And that's still one of my favorite albums. I mean, some of those guest singers, you got Jason Isbell, Merle Haggard, or Steve Earle, uh, 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 Richie Havens. I mean, just so many greats. Louis Armstrong, they, they, they bring in, they do the, you know, posthumous singer with the main band. And I mean, it's, it's all amazing. And that is one of my go-to albums that not many people know about. Uh, Definitely didn't get the downloads that Animals got regarding episodes, but but it's still just just an amazing album. 
Um, and then uh, I'm going to go with Led Zeppelin three, which uh, my friend Mike Broski did last year as well on the show. Uh, a lot of people will go with Led Zeppelin four or two, but three to me is just a hidden gem in there in the middle that a lot of people skip over. I um admittedly I don't think I'm as familiar with the track listing of Zeppelin three. Um, what is your favorite track? If you can pick a favorite, you can pick a favorite too. Off of oh, it's Gallows Pole. Gallows Pole is an amazing song. Are you familiar with it? Honest, I'm embarrassed. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's what got me into Led Zeppelin because growing up, I didn't really. Uh, my dad was more Eagles, Billy Joel, Beatles. Yeah, uh, Led Zeppelin was sure. I mean, classic rock radio, but. Um, it was in the early nineties that page and plant got together on MTV and they did their little unplugged, unleaded, okay. whatever they want to call it. Yep. And, uh, they played a version of Gallows Pole. I'm like, what is that? That's, that's not the song I hear on the radio all the time. So I had to find out what that song was. And when I finally got my hands on that CD, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, cause it's, it's, um, when they recorded that, they, they banded together in a, a house in Wales in the middle of nowhere. And just in this old, like, I don't know, Celtic hut. Mm, mm. Uh, we talk about it on the episode, but just they, and they jammed. And they just yeah. jammed and jammed and jammed and wrote songs about anything. And Gallows Pole is some old Celtic, like, ditty okay. that they that they kind of rocked out to. And it turns into a jam session. It's really a great song. All right. I, that is what I'll do. As soon as we end our conversation, I'll listen to Led Zeppelin 3, specifically Gallows Poles. And um, Gallows Pole, excuse me. And um, I just looked and tangerine. At the, so number tangerine. two would be would be easily tangerine. Okay, tangerine, and then I guess the most popular song, at least to me, is immigrant song. The da yeah. that kicks it off, and it's yeah. and it's a it's a fake because it starts off with gallows pole. I'm sorry, it starts off with immigrant song, which is a hard song. Like it could have been on Led Zeppelin too, mm. and then from there, that's where they take a left turn and they start doing friends and celebration day and that's the way and tangerine and all these songs that are uh out on the tiles is a rocking tune that's a classic zeppelin song but the rest of it is very some of it's acoustic some of it's you know experimental it's not it's not stairway to heaven it's not um immigrant song or or rock and roll it's very interesting led up okay okay cool so i'll i'll dig into that um, sounds like a fun assignment to just go through, go through the Led Zeppelin discography. Well, uh, I never got to ask you what 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 are your uh, favorite Billy Joel songs? You asked me. I want to circle oh, back on that. Yeah. Um, I love The Stranger. I love Vienna. Uh, my um, wife loves Vienna. She she cried when he did that live. Yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, I mean, like same. I yeah. I, I mean. It's a fantastic song, and I mean, I, I don't know. I guess those are really the top two that stick out to me. I, I really like, I, I guess, depends on my mood. The third one could be dependent on my mood. New York State of Mind, Just the Way You Are, um, For the Longest Time is great. I think, like, you know, it's a, it's a nice one. Um, Saturday, moving out, you know, all the hits. Every song that he has there is, is really great. And I like the Stranger album. I, I know that 
Uh, there was I had a point a point in time where I like listened to that album on repeat. I have it on vinyl actually, sitting right I, behind me. I need someone to bring the stranger to the table so that we can talk about it for an hour. That's yeah, definitely. She's yeah, mo- moving. Yeah, I mean, actually, I guess get it right the first time. Get it right the first time. That's not the same thing, mm-hmm. right? There, I don't remember now. Uh, there is a podcast out there called Glass Houses pretty good they talk all billy joel so shout out to glass houses there you know if you guys are listening <laughs> yeah um Gla- glass and they speak exclusively about billy joel i think they go track by track i've, I've listened to a couple episodes cool 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 um but yeah tell your tell your wife we're kindreds in, from the vienna front it was beautiful live he did a amazing job it was great i mean like he's in his 70s right yeah like, and wow. there were songs he was playing guitar, uh, songs obviously at the piano, and then several that he he stood and sang. Uh, but it was it was all great. It was just I, there's not a, a single negative thing to say about that concert. It's like a pianist playing in your living room. We saw Elton John like right before the pandemic. Wow! And, and, and he was he was pretty fantastic. Uh, but I mean, if I had to choose between one or two, I'm taking Billy Joel. I mean, he was just this amazing. Okay, those. That maybe, those may be fighting words to some. Not to me, but some. Well, you're from New York. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> Technically from New Jersey, but yeah, the, you know, it's all in the same same vicinity. So I can, I can trash, uh, trash Bon Jovi then? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm, I, I, I have nothing to say. Um, anyway. Uh, m- moving on, moving on. So, do you one, like one touch, Mar- what, oh. what, one touch on uh on New Jersey though? Uh, we did an episode last year about uh Springsteen's Nebraska, mm. uh, with um, uh, with Bruce Carlson of another podcast. He does My History Can Beat Up Your Politics, which is another fantastic show. Uh, but it's he he's from New Jersey and uh he he's he's an older guy, and how he talks about how Springsteen is like just ingrained in everyone there so it was kind of it was mm-hmm. a fascinating talk about that yep springsteen and bon jovi those are the two <laughs> uh talked about s- songwriters yeah performing artists well tell our listeners about you what what's what's your deal as far as a musician you know what's you know your album and, and anything you want to talk about yeah um gosh i don't i don't know if i'm worthy to talk about my own uh musicianship after the after the incredible names and songs and bodies of work we just mentioned but um yeah i my my name's emily gabriel as as uh you had mentioned earlier um i am singer songwriter performing artist um i released my album omega man in on may 27 2022 crazy that it's it's been so long since i put that out i guess it hasn't been that long but you know eight-ish months um, and I, I, since I released that, I had been, um, playing live shows all around the, the greater New York city area. Most recently played the Omega man mega show on, um, back in November of 2022 at Rockwood music hall at stage two and had a blast. What made the show mega was I actually had two songs off the album chart on triple a radio in the top 200. Um, talking to strangers charted i think at like 137 and freedom charted at 160 something so 
those two tracks got some some great radio spins on AAA radio. Nice. And um, that that was one mega thing to celebrate. And I also had um, talking to strangers. Also had over two hundred and fifty thousand streams on Spotify, which to me is wow, almost unimaginable. Um, so something I'm really proud of. Um, and then to continue down the talking to strangers thread, um, it's been shazammed almost, I think like just shy of like 500 times, which is also a pretty cool thing to think about, right? Like thinking that people are hearing the song and then they pull out their phone and yeah, that means it's it. playing somewhere. Yeah. Around them. Yeah. Right. And like, they, they like, you know, are interested enough to want to know, Oh, what is this right. song? So. I think the Shazam stat for me at least is is one of the um one of the most like interesting and that's really say, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. So um that's that's what made the Omega Man mega show mega, if you will. Um and yeah, I think that was uh I'm Omega Man's a, a project I'm I'm really proud of. Uh started to get or I would I would say it's a pretty it's a pretty personal project. Um I liked legs and haunted. Personally, oh, thank uh, those you, thank you. those were two standout tracks for me. It, it, it's it's really a good good album, and uh, just based on my taste in music, I would listen to Omega Man over Melodrama. Oh wow! Okay, I won't tell Lord. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, that, that's just my you know personal <laughs> you know rock taste in music. So I, I enjoyed it. It's a really good album. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm curious, what did you like about Legs? Oh, if you can recall, if you can recall. Uh, it was musically. I didn't really dive into the lyrics. It was just yeah. musically. I liked. I liked those tunes. They stood out to me. And um, uh, but I can't really go into more detail off the top of my head. I've been more analytical on melodrama. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I try to give those albums, you know, the respect they need when going That's into uh, when, whenever you guys, someone brings them to the table. So now I appreciate you taking the time, uh, taking the time out to listen to Omega Man and melodrama, but uh, especially Omega Man. Um, so yeah, so I, I put it on Mega Man, like I said, in 2022. Um, it, it's had some great success. Um, and I think like what I'm working on now is writing. Um, I, I spent uh, most of my, or majority of my creative muscle promoting and marketing the album and also practicing for performances and, and for shows and things like that. So I haven't had, I haven't had the opportunity to kind of create the space to do nothing. And I, I need to create the space to do nothing so I can channel my creativity in the way that I best know, which is writing songs. So, um, I will say I wrote a song a week from a week ago to the day, um, because I created the space to do nothing. And I finally wrote a song and to end and I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's a good feeling when you're like, oh, I'm on a little bit of like a you know, dry streak from from writing songs or a song that I really like. And I wrote the song and I was like, Oh yeah, this is I like this one a lot. So um that's what I'm up to. I'm writing, creating the space to write and practicing my my craft, right? In in all um in all different ways from my voice to my instruments to my performance i think that after you put or at least for myself after i put out omega man i wanted to just take a take a step back and be like 
observe how observe its successes, observe its listenership and its reset uh, reception and um get back to writing. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you uh do you got like a a, a book full of thoughts? Yeah. Like a book the, full the, of thoughts. The, like the uh the movie songwriter way just I got a whole I got <laughs> notepads full of randomness that, that you got to um, figure out a way to put put to something. You know, I do have a lot of notebooks and I do have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I do have a lot. I do have a lot of notebooks. Um, and I I also have a lot of voice memos. Uh, so sometimes like if, if, a, if a melody strikes me or I'm playing something on the guitar and I really like the chord progression, then that's when I'll take out the voice memo on my on my iPhone and record it. And then I'll like usually label it. So I like know to come back to it or whatever. Um, that's how I also kind of get, will start songs. Um, and in terms of having notebooks full of thoughts, I, you know, it's interesting. I don't always revisit the notebooks. I, I don't know. That's, that's a good point. Maybe I should revisit that. I'm just, I'm always fascinated with the songwriting process, you know, because every single musician is, is different. And, uh, it's just interesting to see how, how people, cause it's, it's a talent in a craft. I am nowhere ever, you know, that that's a skill I don't have. Uh, I I'm not creative at all. And it, it's really uh, fascinating to, 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 that people have that talent to, to put just out of nothing, the, the lyrics and the music together. Uh, it's, it's just always fascinating. Yeah. So I, I think everyone's creative in their own way. So I don't believe you when you say you're not creative, but if you are not creative in a songwriter sense, okay, fine. Um, what, I guess I would say like, what, what is your, this is, this is creative. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my creativity is, is taking other people's stories and, you know, splicing them together for an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll take it. That is creative. (laughs) Um, and I'm more than sure in your other, ventures business day job or otherwise you creative problem solve probably every minute of every day in some way shape or form in my younger days i'm a grumpy manager now i'm too old (laughs) okay um but yeah no at any rate in in terms of songwriting like for example integrity man which is the last track on omega man that song just poured out of me like i was i was feeling some sort of way and I went in my bedroom with my acoustic guitar and I started playing these chords that felt right. And then I just, the words just came to me and I pulled out my notebook so I wouldn't forget them. And I started writing them down and I'm like, yes, this is it. And I'm a big like, like revisiting and going back and saying, okay, is this, does this make sense from a story perspective? You know, kind of, you know, I write to have written kind of thing and also go back and continue to edit and iterate. I think one of the most like challenging things is to know when enough is enough. Okay, I'm done. The song is done. I could change this. I could move this. I could sing this differently. I could, but I'm just going to leave it because it's done and I need to just get it out um, and share it. So, In that, I sympathize uh, quite a bit because editing uh, has been an art that over the past two years I've you know, been enjoying learning and, uh, you know, I think I've gotten fairly decent at it. Uh, but, uh, an audio engineer friend of mine, when it came to my first couple of episodes, he's like, dude, just stop. 
you're always going to find something yep. in there that you're not, yep. I mean, just, just, it's good. Stop it. Yeah. 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 Right. Like you could constantly, I mean, and did, did that resonate with you? Oh yeah. It's just a matter of, uh, at the time I was brand new and, you know, hundreds of millions of, of podcasts out there, you know, I just, just one of many. And then I wanted to make it, you know, stand out and be good. And, yeah, it's just just a matter of acceptance that it's never going to be perfect. Just just put out, you know, something that's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, and just put it out there and uh, be at peace with it. Um, but anyway, thank you for asking what I'm up to. Um, in terms of how anyone can find me or support me, um, I am on Spotify, Apple Music, however, wherever you listen to music, just search Emily Gabriel in the search bar. Um, and you'll see a picture of me wearing a New York Giants baseball cap uh, come up, and that's my artist profile. And you can listen to Talking to Strangers, and you can listen to Freedom and Integrity Man and all of Omega Man, should you feel so inclined. You can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at EGMusicNYC. So EG, like my initials, Emily Gabriel, Music NYC. So, um, that is where you can find me and where I'm most active uh, is Instagram and then, you know, to listen to music, Spotify. But I'm also on Apple Music and SoundCloud and YouTube. and all Are you on uh, Bandcamp? I am on Bandcamp. Yes. Yes. And I have some merch. I have a lot of listeners that, that love to support Bandcamp. You know, it's the, the best cut to the artists. Totally. Yeah, that's a great call out. Um, both my music and my merch is on Bandcamp. Um, I have uh I put I actually worked with a local candle maker for Omega Man. I put out a custom Omega Man scented candle. Um and those are available on Bandcamp exclusively. And uh it makes a nice pairing with the song one of your favorites, Steve, off of uh Omega Man Haunted. So, you know, listen to Haunted, nice. light the candle, kind of have your moment. Very nice. And I'll put, uh, I'll put some links in the, the show notes for this for, for where to find that. Emily and uh, uh, definitely a Bandcamp link in there as well. Appreciate that, Steve. Thanks so much. Well, uh, Emily, I'd like to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit and talk to you about Lord's Melodrama. Yes, thank you for, uh, for having me and arguably, more importantly, thanks for listening to Lord's Melodrama. Um, what I'm hearing is it's not your favorite, but you, you gave it a shot, so I appreciate you taking the time out to give it I've, a listen. And, and I have a couple of uh, takeaway tracks. So There you go. There you go. Homemade Dynamite. I hear you. Um, the Louvre. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Thanks so Everybody much, Everybody listen to the <laughs> I'd like to thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are many ways to help the show, such as our Patreon or affiliate links in the show notes. The easiest way, though, is to give the show a rating or comment wherever you listen. We really do appreciate it. Thank you again, and as I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.